everybody. Hi, guys. Well, from gorgeous, if a little still too hot, Salt Lake City, Utah. It's Thank God I'm Atheist. The podcast. I'm Frank Feldman. And I'm Dan Beecher. And coming up on the show today, Dan, uh, Trump. We're going to talk about Trump. And we're going to talk about white evangelicals and uh, an article that, that we both read. Um, Are we supposed why, to read that? <laughs> about maybe why white evangelicals did vote for Trump. And it's not for the reasons that liberals like to think. And so I think it's actually um, it's an interesting take. And one that it's I, worth talking about, yeah. if even just if it's ju- just sort of as a as a discussion about what America is At and moment, why yeah. we're that way. Yeah, and don't expect it to sound good. Don't don't expect us to come out uh, rosy on this one. Oh, Americans, America. Yeah, yeah, America. Yeah. As a concept, as a I don't place. think many people uh, are too delusional at the moment about that, about that ship has sailed. Country. Yeah, I think I think we all know, Diane. We got problems. We're, we're not big, the shining big... city on the hill or whatever anymore. Mm, no, oh, no, that's we're the, sad. We're the smolder, smoldering uh, <laughs> shit pile, shit pile in the dell. We're the, we're the tire fire that's stinking up the the place. <laughs> All right, Dan. It's sad to be American. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. It's the other ones who are ruining America. Right. Yeah, we're we're the good ones. (laughs) (laughs) It's nice to assure oneself. (laughs) All right, Dan. Yeah. Um. What do you? I. I. When COVID nineteen first hit. Um. 12 years ago 12 yeah uh going on 13 um yeah. did did you have any thought about what it might mean for religious regi- religiosity in america <laughs> like did you think that maybe people might kind of the fence sitters might si- sort of find faith again was was that a thought that that maybe you had i had this thought so i'm just wondering I, did you i no i i didn't think that I have given up predicting in the universe <laughs> because it's starting with the la- with with the 2016 elections I have now realized I have no handle on what human beings will yeah. do yeah and it'll just go left every time I think it's going to go right well I think a lot of people probably did think like I did where there yeah, might sure. be sort of this impulse right that that people who who weren't really they just didn't go to church right but they they right. still maybe kind of sort of believed in god and so maybe those people would would return right and we would sure. see maybe an up an uptick you know in america in in sort of religious observance and whatnot mm. um well it turns out uh that it is the exact opposite um, uh-huh. or, at, or at least according uh, to uh, the State of the Bible survey uh, that was just released this last week by the American Bible Society. Oh. Uh, it was the 10th such uh, survey that they've done. They started in uh, 2011, right? Okay. And they looked to see how, how many American, what percentage of American adults are consider themselves to be sort of scripture engaged, right? That's, oh, that's their, okay. their metric. Um, but they, they, they look at how frequently people read 
the Bible. Yeah. And sort of how never. they how They're they never, sort of nobody's consi- ever read the Bible. <laughs> and and what what they consider its impact on their relationships and choices are, right? Sure. In the six month span between January and the end of June. <laughs> damn. Yeah. The number of scripturally engaged Americans dropped from 28% to 22.7%. Wow. That's 13 million people who previously went to scripture to seek solace or (laughs) or ideas for better living or whatever. Who stopped doing that? Who just who just basically were like, oh, this thing doesn't do anything. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to read into exactly what it is. I mean, the article kind of speculates, you know, like, is this just because they don't have time? Because these are people who've got kids at home and a job that they're, you know, telecommuting on. You know, like, like is it just people being really busy or is it potentially what's more likely in my mind, which is what you're saying, at least to a certain extent, right? And no matter what, these are people who had a habit. These are 13 million people who had the habit of going to scripture, who now have broken that habit and are going to maybe, because they've lived this long, not, you know, without this impulse, maybe, right? Who are gonna be doing it less. It's, I think it's huge. they they also already though over the over the course of the entire year um daily reading slipped from 14 percent to nine percent oh good um and those who 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 read the bible several times a week dropped from 14 percent to 12 percent there were some other interesting (laughs) numbers in here um Yeah. Oh, over the course of 10 years since they first did this, um, about so it went from uh, 64 million people saying they never used the Bible to um, somewhere between 87 to 90 million people today uh, saying that they, they never use the Bible. So actually th- admitting to it, actually, admitting to it, yeah, the number is probably has always been the same, but <laughs> the number of people who actually like cop to it, that's uh, a different story. Yeah, altogether. I mean, they don't get into that and like whatnot, <laughs> but, um, let's see, what was this? Um, yeah, apparently women who've always led men in Bible engagement, uh, now slightly trail men, which oh. does kind of again fit with um, women are probably a lot busier than men right now, <laughs> like religiously types, right? Sure. Because they probably are holding there. There's probably not a, a good solid division of household labor, right? Um, y- yeah, in, I in think more that's sort of fair to Bible say. oriented homes, <laughs> <laughs> you know, where if every if everybody's trapped at home, yeah, it's not the husband who's picking who's up keeping the, the household together. Yeah, exactly, right. Um, and so I just thought that was really interesting and really um, just completely um, throws that whole theory or that fear out the window. 
that, that, that there might be in sort of an upswing in, in religious observance. Um, yeah. I think it's great. I think it's awesome. Um, yeah, and also, oh, well, here's another interesting fact. People haven't been going to church. Yeah. So maybe when they were reporting that they were engaged with scripture, it was they were counting <laughs> what they heard from their pastor or whatever. That's quite possible. Um, and but but also they're not going. So so this is all part of my big hopeful big mess, <laughs> right? Which is they're breaking these habits. People are 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 not going to church, especially. I mean, Mormons. It's basically churches shut down, right? And people in the largest numbers imaginable are um are are are, are finding out that having two weekend days to themselves. <laughs> Is way better than just having one. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Even without the brunch, which that's <laughs> that's the ideal thing is if you can you know skip oh, church that's and how we, do brunch. We need to. Yeah, you're right. That's the one thing they're not getting. That would be oh. the nail in the coffin. <laughs> Those poor bastards. They're they're getting the advantages of not church, but they're not getting the brunch. Yeah. It's a rough time. Yeah, I mean, it is why pastors are fighting tooth and nail to keep to get the churches back open, right? They yeah. know this. They know that their livelihoods are at risk because yeah. people, a, they're not going to be giving if they're not coming to church. Not at least, at least not in the same same volume, right? Right. And then added on top of that, they are going to lose parishioners. They are just going to lose members of their communities. Oh they're, yeah, there's going to be people that just don't come back. Yeah. There are people out there who are learning a different way to live right now, and yeah. it feels okay. And in fact, it's better in so many ways. So, well, not going to church is definitely better than going to church, though. I don't think that my current lifestyle is better than it was before the stupid COVID. I'll say that. Right. It's driving me Yours, right? But yeah. imagine if you'd had to go to church. <laughs> well, that would be a big improvement. It, I, I, I grant that. Yeah. Well, so speaking of churches. Uh, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the Jehovah's Witnesses, who are kind of like Mormons who didn't know how to invest, because they're <laughs> basically well, the same organization uh, yeah. with a few little di different flourishes and not that hundred billion dollars that yeah, the Mormons have. Yeah, they did have. okay when they sold off all their property in, uh, what was it, in New York, right? In 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 Brooklyn, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Well, they they may have done okay there, and they do okay. Like, you know, they're 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 definitely not poor, and that's demonstrated by the fact that they recently uh, sued the pants off of some guys. Uh, and unfortunately, and it's an unfortunate thing. Um, Ryan McKnight and uh, and a guy named Ethan Dodge. Now we've talked about Ryan McKnight before because he. Was the one who developed uh, what is now called faithleaks.org. Uh, it's a group that he that now calls themselves Truth and Transparency, ah, uh, and it's basically sort of a whistleblower slash watchdog, kind of a WikiLeaks but for uh, religions. Right. Uh, I, I think both these guys started out Mormon, and uh, and and they kind of got their start on this by uh, being the being the repository by through which people could sneak uh inside documents out of mormonism and get them published onto the web and get people knowing about what was going on right on the inside right 
Well, uh, they, they opened their doors up wider than just the Mormon church and got a whole bunch, managed to, to, to find a whole bunch of videos that were made by the Jehovah's Witnesses. And those videos were basically just, you know, YouTube prop like propaganda right. uh, videos. They were meant to be only internal for mm, themselves. Right. Uh, and, you know, they got... They got distributed by, by McKnight and uh, and Faith Leaks. Well, they sued. And here's the thing. Fair use is a tricky concept and not, not tremendously well legally defined. Right. Uh, what we're talking about is, like, who has the right to put, you know, to publish something to YouTube. And, uh, and it, you know, if it's a journalistic thing... Uh, Frequently, you can you can say, "Look, I have a journalistic reason for publishing this, even though I didn't make it. I don't own the copyright of it, or whatever." Right. It's it's kind of how you and I, you know, we it's it's the principle that we use to uh, to play video or to play audio from from Pat Robertson or whatever. Right. But and we've never been caught. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, nobody's ever challenged us on it. Right. And the, yeah. the truth of the matter is that if anybody did challenge us on it, we would immediately fold. We would we would cease and desist toot sweet. And the reason is because we don't have any money right. to fight the fight. Well, these guys tried to raise some money to uh to to do that fight and unfortunately came up quite short. And have recently settled with the witnesses and have taken down all of the, the things that they published. And, and yeah, they ended up having to fold. They, they figured they needed about $40,000 uh, to mount a, a legal fight uh, and probably some help from some, some heavier hitters uh, in the legal world. They didn't get it. They, they took in about 13000 but that's not going to be anywhere near enough. So yeah. they settled. And uh, and it's an unfortunate thing. It's a it, it is a a sad moment in the fight for transparency mm -hmm. uh, with with regards to religion. Well, yeah, and in, it, the, it, in these United States, yeah. So that's uh. So when you say that they folded, do you think do you mean that their organization closed? I mean, no. Oh, I mean that they folded, meaning they they stopped fighting. Right. Okay. They, uh, right. So, so the it, organization still exists, yeah. uh, such as it is. It just sets a it, really dangerous precedent for yeah. future people. Like they know this that they're vulnerable, right? Yeah. And so I, this is probably not going to be the first or the last, rather, uh, religious organization that that comes after them. Right. I wouldn't be surprised if the Mormons now sued. No, I'm I'm surprised they didn't sue before. Uh, but I, I think there's that they play an interesting game where, um, I could just, I don't know J Dubs. I guess I, yeah I don't know what the J Dubs are on about because yeah. basically uh, once the cat's out of the bag it's kind of I mean I guess it's just it's just to, it's to, to be terrorize them into yeah into never yeah it's into never to, doing it's to anything send like the message that again. to others that it they're gonna come after you. And it yeah. costs these guys ten thousand dollars. So guess what? Yeah. Are, are you ready to to to, to pay ten thousand dollars? Right? Like yeah. it's it, it was that it, it was fifteen thousand in you. Fifteen thousand right? in damages was yeah. was the agreed upon amount. And uh, 
There's a chilling and they, effect, and they're, that's what they're going for, right? They and want, these guys had to promise to, quote, never again publish copyrighted material owned by Watchtower. Yeah, that's, see, that's, that's rough. That's brutal. Yeah. They, they forced them to, you know, betray part of their mission, right? Yep. Their entire mandate yeah. down the toilet. Yeah. So Because they couldn't afford the, the legal battle. Yeah. That's so that a disappointing sucks. moment in in the fight for for transparency, but you know religious bullies getting their way. I don't like it. I don't like it either. But it's the state of the world currently. Yeah. <clears throat> well, Dan. Yeah. Here's some uh, people trying to be religious bullies. I guess um, there is a uh, couple. A, a, I guess a soon to be married couple um, in. Uh, Minnesota, Michigan, okay. sorry, in Michigan, that uh, they have had their, their wedding, um, sort of the, the wedding venue space booked since last year, since May of 2019. Um, sure. And they made plans at that time for a uh, their wedding to take place July 24th. So that's, uh, that's actually going to be the day before this episode posts right? right so this this is these are it's a little tricky to talk about on 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 the show because we don't have a full uh conclusion to to this story but they are right. suing the state um over their um covid sort of lockdown rules oh. right um because the the state of uh, Michigan has limited indoor gatherings to ten people, and outdoor right. gatherings to a hundred people. Sure, and they feel like, um, and then you know, the, it, it seems like they have a very high opinion of what their their wedding, um, <laughs> really, really is going to what, what? amount to, because yeah. they they are arguing. That it is going to be a religious event, right? Right. That, that well, I mean, traditionally weddings are are you know often have a religious bent to them. They sure. they are a, a service, sure. a religious service. Well, they they uh, have booked for their their uh, religious event uh, a former um, furniture factory turned in that's been turned into. A venue, right? I was really hoping you were going to say a strip club, but okay, I'll, I'll accept it. Um, it's called the Baker Event Center, um, and they have argued. Let's, let's see. They they said plaintiffs, uh, the plaintiffs have uh, want to exercise their right to religious freedom and expressive association uh, by having their wedding at the Baker Events wedding property. This is their chosen place of religious worship for their wedding. <laughs> yeah. Now, like, I get it. I mean, you're right. The, the, there is sort of a, a, a religious ceremonial aspect to um, a lot of weddings. Um, and the, there will the probably be a pastor there. Or... Marriage is considered a sacrament, right, in, yeah. a, lot of, in a lot of religions. Um, and so, like, yes, okay, but... Those are when it is a sacrament, it is performed, from my understanding, in a church, right? right? And it, by a priest or um, an ordained minister, right? Sure. And, and so 
I do think that that this is a little bit of a stretch. Um, <laughs> it doesn't say what denomination they are. My guess is they found religion very quickly in order to um, oh, make this argument, yeah. right? Right. Um, and uh, but none, but but this is all in an effort to circumvent, um, you know, these limits that the state has placed on gatherings. Right. right. Um, they're saying that the event space that they, you know, that they have plenty of hand sanitizer stations and um, oh, see? that they're going to like do they're going to social distance and wear masks and yeah, this right. and that. Fuck that. No, they're not. Um, she's going to have some white lacy mask on. No, come on. No, that's this well, is not, and, the, this is not, and they're happening. not going to enforce it with their guests. No, so because they clearly are not the types. Right. Yeah. Like the, these are, this is <laughs> these, these people, the, this is Karen and Kevin, right. Getting yeah. married. Um, and even though their names are David and Kylie, but nonetheless, <laughs> I just thought that, that that's pretty amazing, right? That they would have the gall. Um, yeah. So maybe next week if we will have an update. But yeah, I just, you know, it's one of those things. Anyone who, by the way, if you think that you're, that the event that you're going to, if you have been assured that the event you're going to uh, is going to be COVID friendly and that everybody's going to be masked and whatever, you just haven't been to any events yet. Because I went. I listen. Andrea and I were 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 invited to a party that was for a friend's birthday. Uh oh. And uh, and I was like, I'm not gonna go unless it meets all of the following criteria. Okay. And I was like, it's got to be a small. It's got to be a small event, fewer than ten people. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got to be masked, and it's got to be outdoors, and everybody's got to agree to be socially distant, okay. six feet apart. Yeah. 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 And everyone agreed to that. I was assured. Oh, boy. We get there. Everybody gets literally a drop of alcohol in them. And they're fucking hugging and kissing and touching each other. I was like, ah! It doesn't work. That's My, my point is, it doesn't work. Oh, no. So, Did you just run? Did you just... I just well, just I did have to, like, fled, push people flee. away from me. I, I literally was, like, pushing my, like, like, fake kicking people away. Ah! Six feet! Six feet! <laughs> Stay away! Uh, oh, oh, Dan, you made you you solidify like a, a reputation that day. Yeah, I'm fine with it. <laughs> I'm gonna own it. As a matter of fact, I'm working on building that reputation. Curmudgeon. Just so that people. Well, just no guy who insists on the rules of that. Wow, because it's Dan, kind of important. Insisting on the rules. That's right. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> speaking of insisting on rules, uh, this one going in the direction of bad rules. I'm going to tell us the story of uh, of Jesse Hammonds, who is a trans man, uh, who was was uh working with his uh, surgeon, his doctor, and they were getting ready to uh, give him a hysterectomy. Right, okay. Uh, which, is a, which is a useful thing for a, a trans man to have, I, I, I would imagine. Um, and 
It was all scheduled. It was all ready to go. The, the operation was scheduled at the University of Maryland St. Joseph Medical Center. Now, the uh, the key words in that phrase, the the <laughs> little giveaway Uh-oh. is the St. Joseph part oh, no. because it's a Catholic uh, hospital, and when a Catholic hospital hears about something nice happening for a trans person. They make sure to poop all over it. So what they did was wait until the day before the operation, Mm. which means prep work had all been done. This guy had really, had literally, now my Andrea has, has had a hysterectomy. I've been through this process. You do prep. You prep your lives. You're getting yourselves ready for like some weeks slash months of, uh, of, Different, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. There's recovery. There's a lot serious that needs recovery. to be taken care of. Yeah, uh, you know, it's a, a lot less dangerous a thing than it used to be. It's a pretty, it's a pretty uh, high rate of success as as surgeries go, but there's a there's serious recovery involved yeah. afterwards. Yeah. Uh, so so this uh, this man Jesse, what's his name, uh, Hammonds. Had been through all that prep work, and then the day before, the hospital called in and said, "Nope, we're not doing it." <sighs> for for the surgeon for was maximum ready. Maximum effect, right? Yeah, like, yeah. They just timed that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, uh, in amongst all of the really bad decisions that have happened recently in our Supreme Court, there was one good decision that happened, and that was that the. Uh, that, that they decided that the 14th Amendment uh, of Equal Protection applies to trans people. Mm, right. So that's cool. Uh, but they also had a deci- But as part of that decision, they said it doesn't apply to religious institutions. So uh, Hammonds has filed a lawsuit and, uh, and has used that decision uh, as, as the basis for that, that suit. And I have no idea or and zero prediction as to what will happen yeah. with that lawsuit. They need to like really limit, and I know they're not in the mood to do this, but to, to limit what is sort of what kinds of religious institutions ha- enjoy these exemptions, right? Because oh my God. A, I'm sorry, a hospital should not have right? this exemption. Let me tell you something. He, here's how they limit what kinds of institutions get this kind of privilege. <laughs> Christian, right? That's the kinds of institutions yeah. that they care about. Yeah, exactly. No, totally. And the really, we, they really love the Catholic ones. Yeah. So yeah, they're they're especially fond of those ones. <laughs> Fun. All right, Dan. Yeah. I had a similar story to this one uh, last week. I think maybe on the show, maybe two weeks ago. Um, but I felt that this one was definitely worth bringing up because the issue is going to continue uh, during this beautiful, beautiful COVID summer that we're enjoying. <laughs> Um, and, uh, that's just gonna like, you know, just kind of transition into a beautiful COVID fall. Um, don't, don't, don't then... make me think about that. <laughs> it's not nice. <laughs> Nonetheless, down in, uh, Texas, uh, the Dallas Fort Worth area, um, uh-huh. there's a church by the name of Fellowship Church. It's in mm. one of the Metroplex cities by the name of, uh, Grapevine. Oh. Um, and they they host every year um, multiple um, Christian um, camps, you know, um, for okay. the kids, 
you know so the kids go to camp for a week um it's one of those an away camp right sure um yeah. and they have their uh their their retreat center is called alazo ranch uh it's located yeah. about 85 miles east of dallas okay uh for for those of you who care about such details um and they uh, have been this year hosting camp like why wouldn't uh, you you know like oh, yeah what could possibly no be to... going on in the world that would make you want to limit uh kids getting together in close proximity um engaging in just physical activity uh singing doing all that kind yeah. of crap what could possibly go wrong this summer can't think of a thing well turns out that um covid19 uh struck and struck hard um, oh no they <laughs> who could have predicted <laughs> predicted um the, the camp had 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 assured parents that they would be following cdc uh guidelines and in fact the kids were required <laughs> which, to bring a mask which you would think if you're following cdc guidelines that means we're not opening <laughs> right but no right. we don't have a good exactly. cdc Our, the, right. the u.s center for disease control doesn't work now <laughs> it's broken so apparently um to make the parents feel a little bit better about sending their kids off to this camp they were the kids were asked to um bring their masks um before they, they the kids were allowed to come they like took their temperatures mm. um and um the the campers had to wear their masks for the bus ride out to the out to the ranch right sure um, but they were allowed Great. to take them off as soon as they arrived right and that and was they the, immediately started making and, out with each and other and they also uh the had uh taken all the kids phones so they couldn't communicate with their parents now whether this was all part of like the same scheme i i don't know that's probably the standard thing that they do they just want to like have the kids attention during the week and let them focus and let them disconnect from the world i actually really applaud anybody who takes a week off of their connectedness right i think that's a great right. idea but what this had the effect of is that kids couldn't report back about things like this one kid uh the the article that i read about this talked about extensively um whose camp counselor who was in his room uh had to go home early with a 100.4 fever um oh. when the kid comes home when you know this camper not the the counselor when he comes home and tells his mother about this, she immediately arranges uh, for a coronavirus test, uh, even though he didn't have a fever or any any you know symptoms. And of course, he sure. tested positive, right? Right. Um, and then later, she gets a phone call uh, that went to voicemail um, from the ranch, and it says, uh, "We just want to make sure you had an incredible time at Alazo Ranch." Um, he says the, uh, the church followed every single procedure actually gone above and beyond that. And anybody who may have exhibited any symptoms of anything, headache, cough, sneezing, whether it be a temperature, anything, we were on top of it. Uh, he goes on to explain right. that a counselor in her son's room at camp had some mild symptoms, um, and was sent home <laughs> as a precaution. Um, and he doesn't know, the church doesn't know if the counselor tested positive for COVID-19 or not. Um, wow. but photos from the camp that were posted on Facebook, 
um, definitely show that their idea of what CDC guidelines and procedures were uh, were completely uh, wrong. Completely. Uh, so the, all the pictures show kids grouped together inside and outside. Um, and as far as this woman can tell, speaking to other parents, uh, she has counted on her own 80 kids who've tested positive. Whoa! The camp is... That is not a small number! The camp is saying that about three people have tested positive. Like the churches. <laughs> but just people sharing their own stories, they've tracked down 80. Wow. If you can that fucking believe is, that. That is intense. So... That is that is not small. No. And these are, these are not huge, like like numbers of kids right now it's multiple weeks um let's see um again this is coming from people who sort of that are reporting their own experience um but one of the a kid who was a counselor said that there were about 200 to 300 kids who attended camp the first week she was there and at least 140 kids uh, were there the camp the, the last week that she was there uh, she said okay. that, uh, that this this counselor kid she said that uh, only people at, the only people at the camp who wore masks or gloves were the women serving food oh my god so well there you go uh, I've said it before and I'll say it again they're culling their own herd they're literally it, it's just it's just shocking to me how willing people the you know people are to to put their own people in danger well yeah i mean they've the, it has been the messaging that they are receiving is that it's not that serious right it's serious right. it's serious but it's not that serious right like it's something you, yeah. you want to wash your hands a little more you know but maybe but don't really inconvenience right. yourself don't over it. be a dick when they ask you to put a mask on at the walmart you know just do it right no no they're being a dick like half of them are calling for people to be dicks to people like well but the tone i think is going to be changing because uh one you know senor donald trump um has actually come out now i mean everybody knows this that about promoting masks and the use of them. yeah amazing he's literally only six months too late it's unreal, isn't it? It's it's astounding how good he's been on this whole thing. He's really amazing. Uh, I am going to take us now to the military uh, of these year United ah, States of America. Okay. Now we've reported on a few stories in the last year or or so about things shit going down uh, in within the military. For instance, uh, there was. There was some. There was a chaplain who sent out a, a an email that was that was included a. I don't remember what it was. It included like a book or quotes from a book uh, that basically said that COVID nineteen was God's punishment or something like that. Hmm. And people were sort of up in arms about that, hmm. and that was taken down. There were some chaplains who were using the official army you know chaplaincy some some official social media to post scriptures and stuff and you know there were some objections to that mm. to, to to that sort of thing raised in in no small part by the uh the military uh religious freedom 
Foundation. Um, and Mikey Weinstein, who's a president of, and founder of that organization, which they're doing great work. They're out there just making sure they're the whole point, as with all of these groups that are trying to keep, you know, maintain some semblance of a wall of separation between church and state. It's just this is supposed to be a pluralistic society. Stop forcing everybody to hear about Jesus. Right. Well. That has been vaguely effective. It's still not, like, the culture of the United States military is still wildly Christian. But there has been some effect to this work, and it's been enough that Congress members uh, have have taken to writing to the Secretary of Defense to tell them, to tell him how concerned they are that... Uh, that anybody but Christians is allowed to say anything they want to. <laughs> uh, it is basically uh, the a few the leading Congress. The it, it was let's see, it's twenty conservative lawmakers uh, are part of this group, led by two Dugs, Doug Collins of Georgia and Doug Lamborn of Colorado, mm. and they are furious, mm. just really really upset. That uh, that the military is be is taking baby steps toward inclusivity in terms <laughs> of their religious stuff, and they are trying to make sure that they get back on track to being a complete theocracy. <laughs> uh, it should not be lost on anyone that this is an election year, right? And that a lot of these Congress people need to posture for the religious right in this country. And they needed something to be mad about. Right. So this, I mean, it is such a stupid amount of things uh, that they are complaining about. But <laughs> they're definitely making a mole, some molehills mm. into some grand mountains. Yeah. And uh, and to their credit, it doesn't seem like the military is by taking the bait. Fantastic. I would love to to read some of these letters that are being written. Right. Like, mm. like dear, dear Doug... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god like, these people they don't understand freedom of religion right yeah like, I, they're, you, they're like, big, how the big are concern they that phrasing it like like well because it's like how do you argue right for like a strong christian presence under the guise of like freedom of like the the, the first amendment right like right well Here's I should have mentioned I what I didn't say I kind of buried the lead on this is that what they're using is their f their f main complaint is that the uh, the military is not uh, holding a lot of religious services right now because of COVID nineteen oh. which they should be doing oh, which yeah. is correct but uh, as we know in this country that's no reason to shut down church so outrage. Nice. Outrage among the people. Nice. Good stuff. Yeah, there you go. Well, listen, kids, if you have anything you'd like to say about any of this that we've been talking about, please feel free to write into us, podcast at thankgodimatheist.com. Or call and leave a voicemail message. The telephone number is 424-666-8442. Yeah. Hey, also, go. will you do us a favor? Go to the Facebook page. It's just facebook.com slash atheist. Just spell it all correctly and you'll be there. <laughs> and then you can hit like and you'll be one of the people who likes us. And, you know, uh, you can also search for the TGIA Members Only Lounge 
and request to join. That's also on Facebook. And yeah. you should also find us on Twitter at TGI Atheist. Do it. There's more show coming up. Hey, Dan. Yes. Um, this is a new guy for me. Uh, is by the name of Greg Locke. Apparently, he's he's like this. I don't think he's new. I we, we've had we we've heard him? from him. Are you sure? But it's been years. Oh, okay. He's been he he's been uh, off the radar, off of our radar for a little minute. Well, anyway, he is uh, the pastor at uh, the Global Vision Bible Church in Mount Juliet, Tennessee. Um, oh yeah, and he's and, he's and the Tennessee of his accent, I adore it. I, can I just say, love how he sounds. Anyway, he's got some things to say about masks and social distancing and whatnot. So, and yes, exactly. <laughs> let's let's hear, right, it. let's hear what he has okay. to say. And I do want to say, I want to preface this by letting people know that this is one of those YouTube videos where, and this baffles me. I don't know why this is a thing, but he's driving while he says all this. <laughs> So just know that he's in the car. Gives us some action. It's a good action scene. Yeah. Okay. Totally. There is a moment also where he rips his sunglasses off dramatically. Ooh. So let's see if you can hear if you that. Can, see if you can hear that. <laughs> All right. Here it goes. We are destroying the local church of the Lord Jesus Christ in the United States because we're trying to placate to a culture that hates God in the first place. Jesus said the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of God. And you think the government's going to prevail? You think COVID, some kind of pandemic is going to prevail? You think the left is going to prevail? No, ladies and gentlemen, we are being destroyed not from the outside in. We are being destroyed from the inside out. We have got to push back against this nonsense. Open your churches. This is ridiculous. There was a time when it all started. I thought, well, I'm not going to shame anybody for not open. I've changed my shame game a thousand percent. I've changed my shame game. You know why? Because now you ought to be shamed because you ought to have your church open and you ought to let people worship and hear preaching and pray and fast and give and show up for the fellowship of believers. Because again, the location isn't the power, the gathering, the gathering, the gathering is the power of God, ladies and gentlemen. And we've got to get back to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Enough with all this padlocking the church doors. Let's just go online. No, enough, enough. I don't care if you're a mega church. I don't care if you're a church that has five people. Open the door. We have closed the hope centers of the United States. We need hope now more than ever. We need Jesus more than ever. We need preaching more than ever. We need the Bible and the authority of the Holy Spirit more than ever. We need to see God do something more than ever. And what are we doing? We're sitting around in our pajamas on our couches, sipping lattes with not enough power to blow the fuzz off a small peanut. Open up your churches. I don't care how mad you get. I don't care how upset. You can unfollow me. You can report me. People can get mad and say whatever they want to. I don't live under communism. I live under the constitution of this great nation, which is still great and still free. And most of all, I live under the authority and the influence of a book that we call the Bible. And so I'm telling you churches and I'm telling you pastors, get a backbone, stand up, push back against this garbage, open up the churches. There is absolutely zero excuse for any church in America being closed right now over this COVID nonsense. Open the churches and let's watch revival fire fall. Well, yeah, I mean, it's 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 hard to pass 
the plate around, right? If the churches are closed, <laughs> yeah. I am convinced. I, half I did of notice this. that when he, when he was when he was talking about like all the things that people are missing out on, uh, give people the chance to 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 go to church and give them a chance to be with each other. He did mention giving as part of the thing. Give them a chance to give. Yeah, because that's how he lives, right? Yeah. He lives off of people giving. And the only way, I mean, like, it's a huge hit, right? Like, people don't Ugh. give if they're not going to church. Not in the same yeah. amount, you know? Unless you're Mormon. It's... I'm assuming the Mormons are still paying their 10%. Oh, yeah. Mormons are Mormons are amazing at enforcing that And I'm sure that, that there one. are people who are still giving. But, like, come on. Yeah. I mean, there's a cynical part of me that knows that this is a huge part of this whole thing. Right? I just think, I just think it's amazing, like... Why does he? Why else would he think it's so important for everybody to get together and risk, literally, risk the lives of the of each of the parishioners? Yeah. Well, I, so I was talking to my sister, um, and she lives in in you know Oklahoma, and she said right. that the all the the it's mainly Baptist churches in in her area, but the all the mm. all the churches are. You know, they're still meeting on Sunday, but people pull up in their, they're doing drive-in church, right? They pull in the parking lot, it. they stay in their car, right? Um, yeah. And then the, 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 and, and they, they even keep space between the cars, apparently. Um, so they can yeah. roll down their windows and then there's like a, a PA system and the, the minister says his little thing and they play some music and all is good. And she says it's like most of the churches, that's what they're doing, right? Yeah, I've been I've been seeing videos of car horn, of like the the honking of the horn is is the new hallelujah. Yeah, like I don't get what the hang up is. Like, why can't people? Like, why can't these guys adapt in that same right. way? Right? Like, well, what is like because they don't live under communism, Frank? Uh, I know. You damn commie. I know. I'm such a communist. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I wish these guys would learn what communism is. Just learn what it is. Oh, it's a scary word. That's, that's what it is. Yeah, all it is. Yeah, a great, exactly. You, like scary word. You might as well just say oogie boogie. <laughs> they know it gets right. people well, we, that. They don't need to know what it is. They don't need to know what it is. All right, we had some folks write into us. Uh so I will uh read what they had to say. <laughs> Uh, this is from Gustav in uh, Sweden, who says, Greetings from a sunny Sweden. Oh, and it is sunny nice. there these days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, although that's that's probably starting to change. Mm -hmm. I was listening to episode number one, uh, 382. Oh, I remember it well. Uh, oh, yes. We definitely, <laughs> we have all of our episodes fully memorized. So this will be, this will be good. Uh, about gender and the problem with the inelegant they mm. instead of he or she. Oh, yeah, Apparently we talked that. about that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because it is a, like, I am on board honoring people's gender identity. I still hate they as a as a singular uh, 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 pronoun. But that's okay. I still use it. Right. I just don't like it. Oh, uh, poor Dan. <laughs> Gustav goes on to say, uh, we solved it. By, we solved it by making up a new word. He equals Han, she equals Hon, and unidentified, or under, sorry, undefined equals Hen. 
this was a couple of years ago, and it met resistance even in our secular country. So you don't have to. So you don't have to be religious to be bigoted, but it helps. Huh? So you just made well, up thanks, a new Mr. word. Yeah, which they've, which has been attempted here. Yeah, it's just that nothing has taken. There's just been this. You know, there was the Z Zim thing yeah. or Z Zer thing, <sighs> but even then, it was like. You have to choose between Zim and Zer? Doesn't that genderize it? Anyway, there's been a lot of attempts at this. Uh, yeah. I think it's exactly what needs to happen. We need a new word. A non-gendered uh, pronoun yeah. would be brilliant. Yeah. We could use it for literally everybody mm. instead of worrying about, you know, what, what, what gender a person is. We can just have a pronoun. It's what should happen. Yeah. We just have to... Just something has to stick. It's too bad that, and it, I'm not making a joke here at all, like at all. It is too bad that that the word "it," right, has such yeah. a, a dehumanizing quality to it because we already have right. a neutral word, right? But yeah. it just it's so it's de so dehumanizing. Yeah, because we've only used it for objects yeah. ever, and so like, but to find. A word that feels like you're talking about a human being, right? Right. And that you're not. Zer. Z. It just. There's something. It doesn't pass a test. I don't know why it doesn't. But just kind of yeah. the way it sounds doesn't pass the test. And I know that anything new would be new and would sound maybe, you know, a little different at first, but like. It's going to meet with resistance no matter what. You, you got to... There, there's there's something out there, and we just haven't found it yet, I think. That's yeah. me. Maybe, I'm, I'm maybe hoping we that's just what's borrow um, another languages word. You know? The yeah. Swedes have already solved this problem for us. If we just, you know... <laughs> just hen. Just hen, you know? We're going to say hen yeah, from now on. Why not? I just... I What would be great is if we could come up with a word and then eliminate... The genderized pronouns altogether. There's no point to them. We don't need them. Yeah, that's a. That, we could have non gendered language. That'd be yeah, great. Yeah, I think. I'm on board. I think getting people. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and that's your problem. That's the problem with borrowing from other languages. Half the other languages genderize even more. Yeah. They start, they, you know, they start to genderize articles and, you know, genderize objects and things. Well, so, adjectives and what, whatnot. Yeah. 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 It's tricky. Mm. It's tricky. Yep. Uh, anyway. Yeah. I think we solved that. Great. <laughs> uh, Luke wrote into us. Hey, guys, just stumbled across your podcast and I'm loving every episode. Nice. Well, that's great. That's 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 why we did it this way. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's interesting hearing about re the religious perspective from the U.S. of A. Uh, it was actually Trump. I think. I think. I think Luke's Canadian. Ah, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Uh, it was actually Trump winning the presidency that got me to start questioning my faith. I could not understand how <laughs> Christians could support that pile of shit. Ooh. I guess I have him to thank for leading for leading me down the path of knowledge. Right. So. At least one good thing came from four years of your guys' pain. Let's hope that this next election goes well, and if Canada ever lets the borders open to you guys again, uh, we have an Airbnb on our farm. You guys are more Aww. than welcome to stay for free. Aww. Well, that's very sweet. That is nice. 
more people need to offer us free stuff, <laughs> Frank. I think that that's that's a trend that should solidly continue. Well, thank yeah. Anyway, thank you, Luke. Um, Thanks, yeah. Luke. Yeah, yeah. Uh, tr- we're actually talking about this on as kind of our topic for the the last segment of the show. Yeah, I think if I I I have hope. I I think that Luke's case is not isolated. Hmm. I think that there are a lot of people who have got become disenchanted with with the religious America because of its backing of this monster. Why? Yeah, I just love that. That's sort of the the somebody's crisis of faith, right? Like, yeah. How did? How could? (laughs) How could this man be president of the United States? How did religious people back him? How, how do people who profess the same religion as me yeah. come to that conclusion? It's yeah, it's amazing. Huh. All right, yeah, worth crisising over <laughs> for sure. Uh, Ash wrote into us, "Hi, hey, Frank and Dan, so happy to have recently found this podcast. I grew up in a very oppressive Lutheran synod, Ooh. the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, Ooh, okay, where women are seen as subordinate to men." Uh, doy, obvi. Uh, homosexuals are promised eternal damnation in hell. Also, another obvi. And people of color are not extended an invitation uh, unless they get the sports programs recognition by drafting inner city students through their voucher wow. through voucher programs. Okay. Hmm. I'm pretty isolated. Uh, Ash goes on in my atheism. Most of my peers generally consider themselves agnostic. Uh, as if the term atheist is a bad word. Huh. It's so refreshing to hear your rational conversations about about the oppression of Christianity in the United States. While I'm not having the discussion with both with you both, I finally feel like I'm part of a dialogue that I identify oh, that's with. Nice. Well, that is the, man. I got to say, the word atheist and is such a lightning rod. It's been very and effectively. We really need to, you know, demonized and. Yeah, exactly. For centuries, obviously, it's been a bad thing. But I think we need to start using it far more openly and far more nonchalantly because it's just, man, visibility. We've talked about it before, Frank. It's, it's, you know, what got things working for the the gay rights Mm -hmm. movement, the LGBTQ movement. Mm -hmm. It's all about visibility. And we need to start getting atheism way more visible. Absolutely. And a voting block that's wrecked to be reckoned with. Yeah. yeah. Which is, I mean, again, it's hard. We're a group that's, you know, we don't have sort of a single mind. We don't have a central leadership or anything, um, you know, so to speak. And, 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 right. Uh, and so, um, yeah, it is hard to, to turn us into a political movement, but we need to figure this out. Somebody needs to figure this out. Like, how do we, harness yeah, not us specifically yeah how, yeah how do we harness somebody smarter than we are you know the, these s- similarly minded you know maybe not like-minded but similarly minded people but who all share this common interest of getting religion out of the public space right yeah. out of our government out of our schools finally fully yeah um and uh yeah yeah, that's a it's a that's a conundrum. That that's a, it's not an yep. easy thing, but we need yep. we need to start 
you know and i think that would be a big part of it right of like helping to create this identity and clearly stating who we are and being more visible and being more politically involved you know well and also just being more visible so that people like ash don't feel like they're alone in yeah. the world yeah because gu guarantee uh ash you are surrounded by other atheists <laughs> yes, they, they're just not being noisy yeah. about it so Sorry about yeah. that. That's that's no fun at all. Yeah. Um, hey, we I we have some things, some folks to thank, and I'm gonna start oh, us fantastic. off. Actually, yeah, uh, a couple people uh, have jumped onto the uh, the PayPal platform to give us a little bit of money. Um, so we have new new PayPal donors, Filio and Damien. So thank you two so much for your donations. And then do we have some folks to thank over on Patreon? We do, indeed, Dan. Um, we um, have two new patrons to thank this week. Uh, they both came in at the teacher level. And this Ooh. is the second office of the Aaronic Priesthood. So 14 and 15-year-olds, right? Of the, of the moronic Mormon. priesthood. <laughs> right. Of, of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Dirt. So we have... We have Isaac and Edgy as new teachers and new patrons to thank this week. Um, and as always, we have our top donor, our Lord and Savior, Davis. Oh, still on the throne, yeah. Davis. Well done. Yeah. And what all these fine folk have done is they went to our website, thankgodimatheist.com, and clicked on the support tab and followed it on over to Patreon where they signed up at their at their specific level and there's a bunch of levels well, so thank you yeah guys. you get to choose it's it's whatever you're comfortable with we're not going to push anything yeah. on you we're not we're not here to tell you what to do <laughs> but uh yeah thank you one and all yeah you're amazing dan Hey, um, uh, I, this this question of Trump, right? And why? Yes, specifically, white evangelicals, um, really got behind him and supported him and voted him. You know, there's kind of this idea that they really only did it for the Supreme Court, right? And that they've kind of just been looking the other way, sort of plugging their nose, um. Uh, and 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 ended up voting for him, knowing that yeah, he was such a flawed a, character. Um, but thinking of it as a pragmatic exactly, choice. they couldn't they they couldn't allow. Uh, you know, they didn't like the guy. They didn't want him to be president, but they certainly couldn't let Hillary be president, or they couldn't let a Democrat right. in. So so they they you know yeah like you say they held their nose. They made the pragmatic right. choice and and hoped for the best. And there's a new theory out. Um, oh, from let's see. Her name is Chris Kristen. Yeah, Dumez. Do we say Dumez? Dumez? I'm gonna go with Dumez. Um, okay. Yeah, and she's a historian. Um, she teaches at Calvin University in Michigan, and she's yep. been looking at e the evangelicals for for quite some time. Um, and she has a new book out. It's called Jesus and John Wayne, How White Evangelicals Corrupted uh, a Faith and Fractured a Nation. Um, and it, it's a really, we didn't read the book, of course not. Um, but Why would we do that? 
Somebody else wrote a, <laughs> wrote a, a very short summary yeah. of it. We don't need to read it now. Well, Jana Reese over at uh, Religion News Service, um, she's kind of there. She's on the Mormon beat. Um, yeah. But she, she writes about other things as well, of course. Um, but she, um, she does a little rundown of it, and it's really quite fascinating. Yeah. yeah she... So, um, let's see. She's, she, if by fascinating, you mean terrifying. Yeah. Um, she says that according to Dumas, um, that, that the, these white evangelical voters actually like Trump and that they've in, in, in a lot of ways they've been preparing, uh, for him for, for decades. Um, yeah. she says, uh, evangelical support for Trump was no aberration, nor was it merely a pragmatic choice. She writes in the book, uh, it was rather the culmination of evangelicals embrace of militant masculinity, um, an ideology that enshrines patriarchal authority and condones the callous display of power at home and abroad. And yeah. she L literally, that's what this is like. And we shouldn't be that surprised about this. Anyone who's seen video of a Trump rally right. understands that these are not people making a pragmatic decision. These are wholehearted in, you know, jumping in the deep end yeah. lovers of this man. Yeah. So, yeah. So she she really she looks at um, sort of the rise of feminism in America. Right. Um, and yeah. that. um that, that evangelicals were sort of unsettled by this. Um, <laughs> you think? <laughs> and she also... <laughs> unsettled is one, of, is one way of putting it. And she also talks about the Vietnam War, right? And so she, she says right. that, um, that, 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 that the Vietnam was a critical moment because for, for, white, for evangelicals because it pitted Christian America against the threat of communism, right? And essentially, America lost, Right. Yeah. Um, and the, 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 the evangelical Christians were deeply disturbed by this and judged it as a failure of American manhood. Right. And there's apparently there's been a bunch of books that, that come out, have come out from the evangelical perspective that have really um, promoted um, this version of masculinity that, that's sort of this rugged, uh, warrior, right, type of a yeah. figure. This sort of Ayn Rand can do anything by himself. It, it's 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 Chuck Norris <laughs> writ large onto every man in the country. Right. And they're it, it's like they saw the, an, a representation of toxic masculinity, and they went, "How can we make this more toxic? <laughs> Is there a way that we can really just ramp up yeah. that toxicity? Because." That's what we're yeah. looking for. Um, how do we get that? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, this is a community, like, um, she, she ties a lot of things together that I remember sort of, like, hearing through the years, you know, like, even evangelicals mm. um, are definitely, like, hands-on parents, meaning they, they usually support, you know, corporal punishment, spanking. Right. right. Um, yeah. In fact, when I was still in school you know in high school in oklahoma it was still legal for the schools even to paddle right um yeah. it, it was more of an opt-out type setting or situation right it yeah. was just corporal punishment was still a thing 
which is i remember when we moved from california it was just like excuse me what (laughs) right um but anyway um so so yeah they, they they've also another threat that they've they sort of spotted was desegregation um when she says when you look at this too it was about asserting the authority of white patriarchy when you look at how they were justifying segregation it's about seeing white men as pro uh, protectors of vulnerable white womanhood and the rights of the family over and against the federal government this militant evangelical masculinity um is a distinctively white masculine ideal and it is one that is justified even if it includes violence yeah especially if it includes violence she says god made men strong he gave them testosterone to make them aggressive so that they can defend their family their church and their nation that's her of course talking about their their worldview right this whole thing um and so if you think about the 2016 election in terms of feminism the threats of feminism war and racial uh equality uh hillary clinton and democrats in general were probably pretty terrifying right to these people what's funny about that is that hillary clinton showed no sign of shying away from a war like i had no doubt that that woman i like she she i i saw nothing in her that said she wouldn't jump into a war if she if if she got the the itch to do it but right but it would be a woman doing it right which what's which doesn't make any sense (laughs) how could she go to war she's got a period it doesn't like she doesn't have muscles (laughs) it's this weird idea of masculinity which is like no feelings no emotions all muscles we're gonna it's a man what a man is like (laughs) which i mean you know the evangelicals are not really strong on the science but anybody who's looked at any psychological study of manhood and of masculinity can see that like this john wayne uh version of masculinity is about as bad for the man and all of the people around that man as you can Mm -hmm. possibly get yeah so yeah and Trump found a way to appeal to those people. Oh, yeah. Whether it was him actively actively going after it or being coached to uh, go after it, um, he he was kind of the perfect the perfect storm. You know, like the the way his crass, how crass he is, and oh, how they love it. They love it. And look to the chanting of lock her up. And like this, their, their whole, they, he's perfect. Well, he's I absolutely mean, perfect he, for them. Do you remember he would have rallies and if somebody yelled something against him, he would encourage people in the rally to beat them up. Mm-hmm. Like this yeah. is, this is the guy that we're dealing with. We're dealing with a guy who, who, I mean, first of all, a narcissist is perfect for them. They, (laughs) because literally he just goes on the attack for no reason if somebody criticizes anything about him. And that is awesome for them. And, and if you think about him into, and back to like sort of the crassness of him and everything, um, his, how do evangelicals 
get behind this man who's had three marriages, multi, you know, God knows how many affairs, right? But but um, but documented affairs. We know that he's had affairs. Yeah. He, we have audio of him talking about grabbing a woman by the pussy. Yeah. Right. Like, um, as, and talk, and also in that same audio, talking about like having an affair, talking about trying to have an affair with a woman and failing at that. Right. And, and so, how does that fit in to how could evangelicals possibly tolerate this man? Well, Dumez points out that. Um, that, that evangelicals have readily forgiven pastor after pastor after pastor oh, yeah. who has been in, you know, caught up in some kind of scandal, um, whether it was mis, uh, sexual misconduct, abuses of power, whatever, right? Like yeah. they, they can, and then she specifically mentions people and cites them like Bill Hybels, the founder of the Willow Creek mega church in the, in Chicago, excuse me, in the Chicago suburbs who conducted sexually inappropriate relationships with multiple women over the course of years, um, who apparently is still a figure. Um, mm -hmm. There's, um, if you think about Mark Driscoll, that's a name that should people should remember, the Mar Mars Hill Church in right. Seattle. He was the lead pastor there. He resigned because, uh, because of his domineering style of leadership and accusations of abuse, abusive behavior, right? right? Well, he's down at some church now in like Arizona. Right. Well, and like also, he, like the like, qualities they, that forgive him, like they continually for like, okay, they but get it's not shamed, just, but it's not just that they forgive him. Those same qualities that he that he resigned for, be, those abusive qualities, mm -hmm. are the the abuse is the flip side of the coin that got him where he was, that got him so popular. They yeah. love the fire in him. They love the fury in him. They love mm -hmm. the aggression and the yeah. anger and the and and the like all of the these things that feel manly and powerful and angry and yeah. fighty and whatever. And then, you know, then they're all shocked when he's a dick in real life to <laughs> actual like face to face to people. They're all like, "Whoa, we didn't we didn't see that coming at all." Right. But again, when these when these when these guys are forced to step down um, at one church, they quickly find their way over to some other church. Yeah. The memory of like their transgressions is very short. Um, it, like they're they're they barely have a blip in their career, yeah. right? Um, and and so she she paints this picture of of, of the evangelical world um, that is damning. Um, and, but that completely makes sense for how they could possibly support Trump. Sure. You it's, know, it's, it's so it's funny. Absolutely, it's, we talk about this, this sort of this masculinity, this toxic masculinity. And I know some of our listeners right now are bristling at that term. Don't just get over it. There is <laughs> not all masculinity is toxic, but right? A, but a certain kind of masculinity very much is. And this this idea of like we're not allowed to have feelings, and we're not mm. supposed to you know we're we're not supposed to be pussies and all this stuff. That's toxic. That's it's yeah. not toxic. It's toxic to the world, but it's toxic to the self, to the man, to the person oh, yeah. who's who's exhibiting that. It's not. Well, it's unhealthy. It's toxic I, to to the young boys 
who don't take to that, yeah. who have to grow up in that environment. Absolutely. I mean, it's toxic to the ones that do take to it because yeah. the, the mental gymnastics that they have to go through, the mental and emotional gymnastics in order to, to be that character, right? Right. It sucks. It's right? terrible. It's horrible. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, yeah. And, and nowhere is that a worse problem that in than in evangelical America, where every man is supposed to be, you know, this powerful, awesome, intelligent, ready to fight at a at the drop of a hat, ready to ready to stand up for what he knows is true with a gun, sort of that that idea is so pervasive in that culture. They're supposed to be intelligent. They're supposed to be. <laughs> They uh, they they know everything. The point is they're not allowed to not know things. Right. So like right, it's right, not right. like so. I don't think it's a celebration of of like of it, education. No, not yeah. at all. I yeah. and and I specifically didn't say educated. Right. But but the fact is that like you know they can't they can't let on to the fact that they may you know there's nobody saying oh you know what I don't actually know enough about masks and uh and and disease i should go learn more it's i instantly know everything there is i am an expert on diseases and masks let me tell you something covid19 it's bullshit man i i know i saw two youtube videos about it it's right. some crazy bullshit right it's just it's just it's all of that sort of thing i saw i remember seeing and it's and that's what they embrace about donald trump he he knows stuff he doesn't. Oh he, yeah. He never learned it. He just knows what's right. Yeah. And uh, and then later he you know he knows that you don't need a mask that that's stupid and whatever. And then finally he's convinced that he has to. And then he pretends like he, like like that was his thing all along. <laughs> I actually saw a an online forum. I, I don't know. I was on Facebook or somewhere. I don't remember where I saw it. And I definitely don't remember who said it. But I saw someone defending Don, Donald Trump in a very surprising venue, and say, and and one of the things he said was, "Well, let me tell you something. He he's big. He could kick somebody's ass." I'm like, what? that dude is 74 years old. I and could kick his ass, <laughs> and I'm not a fighter. But that guy is. Have you seen him? He he can barely. I mean, you know, he golfs. But he is definitely not in shape. Right. He is one hamburger away from exploding <laughs> at any given moment. Anyway, I, uh. it, but, the, but the whole thought is, the, the, but what was amazing was that this guy was convinced that that was, that that meant something. The it, fact it's that, a like, vital even part he, of, his ma of, of, his, of who he is as a man. Right? Yeah. He's less of a man if he can't beat up somebody. Right. Right. So of course, since he is the apex, you know, human, of manhood, <laughs> then he must be able to beat people up. Yeah. 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 It's it's astonishing. There, there, there's toxic masculinity. Right. Yeah. Like exactly. That. Yeah. Yeah. If you anyway. can't beat somebody up, that you can still be a manly man. That's okay. Anyway, it's crazy. <laughs> I just I. We, we really have to sort of, we, this is what we're fighting. Mm. You know, believe in Jesus if you need to. But culturally, we need to really start looking deeply into 
these myths of of who we're supposed to be, what we what we're calling on people to be, and mm-hmm. and fix that. Yeah, it's gross, and it and it led us to to a monster in our in the White House. Oh, God. Well, all right, that was plenty of things for people to react to. If you want to write us an angry email, please feel free to do so. You can do it podcast at thankgodimatheist.com. Or call and leave a voicemail message. The telephone number is 424-666-8442. Yeah. Uh, go to the Facebook page, facebook.com slash Atheist. Click like. You know you wanna. And while you're on Facebook, search for the TGIA Members Only Lounge and request to join. It is a closed group, but we will let you in. Uh, also find us on Twitter at TGIAtheist. So thanks to all of our new uh, mods and everyone that helps us with our social media. And a big thanks goes out to the Red Rock Hot Club and to Gordon Johnston for the use of their music. And thanks to all of you, dear friends, for tuning in. Bye-bye.